I saw this poster. It was quite a long while ago, actually, and it had a phrase on it which really I really hated. And it, I can't remember what it was for, so it's obviously a terrible poster. <laughs> but it, it had the phrase on it, technology will save us. And I was like, my God. <laughs> <laughs> From what and how? Like, <laughs> This is Queer Coded, a WeCode podcast supported by North Coders. My name's Emily Bennett. And my name's Eli Wiggins. Uh, hi, I'm Sam Kane. Hello, Sam. Would you like to tell us your role at North Coders? Uh, yeah, I'm the director of technology at North Coders. I've been here since time immemorial. Uh, I, I was one of the first members of staff to join. So how did you first get into technology and coding in general? Cool. So yeah, I was originally... I uh, did like creative stuff at university. I wanted to be a writer and I went through like copywriting and writing ad copy and stuff like that for for companies Um, and was kind of adjacently involved in some technical projects at work. And I kind of started finding that stuff way more interesting than what I was doing, way way more rewarding. Um, I feel like I'm quite like a naturally unsure person and the problem with language is it's very difficult to know if you're doing a good job with it or not um, you can second guess yourself whereas with code like it either works or it doesn't right you you so there's something distinctly satisfying about that so i started like doing the kind of traditional free code camp code camp. so i was like this is good uh, and then i heard about norse coders um, so i was like that sounds good to me so that's how i started yeah, I know what you mean when, when it comes to something like code and um, when you say that difference between like language and coding, like <laughs> language is so subjective and code is just very objective. Yeah, exactly. So there is kind of like um, almost like security in it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, one of my friends still does copywriting and sometimes sends me some stuff to read and I was like, I don't know what's right, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong, it looks fine to me. Everyone thinks about it too much. Yeah. Or is it just, it's not like a, there's, there's security in the for loop, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> those green ticks. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and what was it that first drew you to North Coders specifically? Um, my brother was doing it, um, so I got kind of like personal interaction uh, with it and it sounded interesting. Uh, I wasn't particularly kind of fulfilled in what I was doing at that time. So I thought, you know what? Sometimes you just got to roll the dice. It worked out. I got a six. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. As time goes on, sort of more and more careers seem to open up to you that you weren't really aware of when you were younger. Yeah. Um, I, I know for me that like my first awareness of sort of technology was this massive old BBC computer that took enormous floppy disks that my mum had that just seemed to have... <laughs> absolutely no relation to the wider world whatsoever <laughs> i think as well when you see it in something like like the context of like north coders it does seem so accessible mm-hmm. but you know like before like something like this you kind of just like well i've got to do like a whole computer science degree i've got to have been learning code since i was like 12 making websites <laughs> and then it's you- it's quite easy to get put off in that kind of circumstance yeah that's so true especially because i came from like a more like creative English language side of it. Whereas like my dad did mathematical physics at university and he was always a, a mathsy person. I was like, oh, maybe maybe that's not for me. But North Code has made it seem like it was. Yeah. So <laughs> it could be anyway. Um, 
in terms of your identity, what impact do you feel having been LGBTQIA has had on your career path, if any? So this is a really interesting question, but I, um, I do think about it a lot because I do think it's affected me in a lot of ways. So I should probably say for the record, I am a gay man. Uh, and I think that like growing up as a gay man, like in a society, like I was born in the late 80s. So in a society that was kind of like in the shadow of the that giant headstone in that horrible AIDS advert that came out in like the 1980s, like where it was such a taboo and so many people had effectively died just basically social negligence and as a child i think coming up into coming up like growing up in that world you realize like like i realized pretty young that i was gay i knew like and i wished that i wasn't it's just like no surely i'm gonna grow out of this like you, you there's that kind of like this is just a phase like yeah. you i'll get through it and i really really didn't want to be i really didn't want to be and it's and and that's nothing again. My family have been great, and they've always been super supportive, and they always, always, always made it abundantly clear that if I ever was, because I obviously was, uh, <laughs> that it would be fine. So it was nothing to do with it. And that's I, I'm lucky in that respect. Lots of people don't have that. But there's a lot of like there's so much social context growing up in this world, and and like everything from everything from like the word gay just being like a slur in the playground yeah. and every Disney villain basically being gay. Uh, it's like you are, you grow up believing that you're an aberration. There's something wrong with you. And, and after a while that made me very angry and very jaded. And I think it made me look at the world in a very different way. And it made me probably quite badly behaved. <laughs> I am quite a disruptive individual and I think that when tech became exciting, like in the noughties, that kind of disruptive nature was something that called to me. Like, it's, a, it's an industry in which you can change something. I think particularly within North Coders, where you're like reaching out to segments of society that have never had this as an opportunity before, and you can change the face of technology by like educating new groups of people and empowering people who would never have had this opportunity given to them in any other way. I think that is disruptive. I think I want to disrupt an education that didn't work for me. I want to disrupt uh, the ways that people find work and get well paid and emancipate themselves from crushingly boring jobs, not because of any failing of their own, but because society's failed them. Um, and this society failed me. <laughs> mm. and, and I spent, spent a lot of time very sad about that. Uh, and I don't want anyone else to feel like that. It's a really good answer. That was an amazing answer. Um, um, <laughs> I think um, I cried in terms of the sort of <laughs> the language that you use to talk about about yourself and um, sort of speaking about disruption, I think that's really interesting because the whole the, the whole thing of the term queer now is sort of you know it, it is a disruption of the norm. So I think <laughs> that's a really fantastic way of of describing it and i'm very in keeping with the title of the podcast yeah <laughs> i appreciate that i'm keeping it on <laughs> um no it's very interesting though um i think you know as someone else who was born in the 80s I've, i really sort of identify with that kind of um feeling like you you know that you're different and you don't want to be mm -hmm. um and that you shouldn't talk about 
the way that you feel about these things because you know that even as a child that there's going to be some kind of bad repercussions of just being who you are. Yeah, very, absolutely. Yeah. Um, is there any changes you can think of that you would love to work towards? Not even just see, but like specifically work towards? I, I, I don't know is the answer to that question because it's, it's, it's very, very difficult to like imagine myself growing up today as a gay man. I think it's, I think it's, it's changed a lot for, for gay people in that there's a lot more representation. There's a lot more kind of like social acceptance. I think, um, like the battle for equal rights has definitely not been won. And like, um, trans people in particular are getting a lot of heat in the mainstream press at the moment. It's pretty disgusting. And it feels like a, a relitigation of a lot of those arguments that were had in the 80s about, about gay people. Yeah. And I, I want that to change. I want that to stop. I want how people define themselves and live their lives not to be, not to be a discussion point for well-paid journalists in London yeah. like what businesses of theirs like th- th- their rhetoric should have such deliberate effects on people's lives just because just because they want to live like authentically I want that to change mm. I think progress has been made in some areas but it's not a linear thing uh, I, I think it can be lost uh, and, I, and I think maybe there's a little complacency amongst some people in the community about it just being a linear thing and mm. I think there needs to be a lot more solidarity in in queer areas and I'd like I'd like that to change I guess uh, and I'd, I would like the media discussion to change I think but but I have no power to do that. Well I mean you say we have no power um, but you're also talking about like the fact that um, technology and kind of like the queer acceptance into technology is such a disruption anyway, um, that I feel like it kind of does have its own power. Maybe not on the scale that we want as of yet. <laughs> um, but I definitely see it as kind of like an unstoppable force at this point. It just kind of hasn't hit that immovable object yet. I think that it's, it's not like an unalloyed good though. And mm. I think that they, there probably needs to be vigilance within tech about that too. Like, mm. like technology has empowered lots of people and we should and 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 there's definitely great aspects to it and people building communities and finding solidarity where they would not be able to before and finding like avenues of kind of acceptance that might not be available to them in their family home and stuff like that mm. but it also allows cesspits of misinformation to collect and i think that there are like dangers to tech too that that, that people that work in the industry we should be vigilant about also, I, it, it's, a, it's a concern of mine that, like, I saw this poster, it was quite a long while ago, actually, and it had a phrase on it, which really, I really hated. And it, I can't remember what it was for, so it's obviously a terrible poster, <laughs> but it, it had the phrase on it, technology will save us. And I was like, my God, <laughs> <laughs> from what and how? Like, like I, I, I try not to have too much faith in it. I have, I have tried to have faith in people. And, and technology can empower us to do good, but it can also empower people to do evil. And we need to make sure that we're pulling in the right direction and that we're, we're, the just choices that we make are thoughtful and conscientious 
And I think that, like, you often see it in social media that they become they become hotbeds of hatred. Like, I can think of a few off the top of my head, <laughs> which are pretty bad, like, mm. um, not naming names. Don't want to get that edited. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But I, I, I agree with an asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> a big bus on the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I think it's, I don't know how, how, what other people might feel about this, but I, I feel like we do have like a really nice culture about this kind of thing at North Coders. But mm. I think we can't say that without having like the conversation of what it's like not at North Coders still in tech. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like I, I when we when we do like our um, our surveys to kind of say like you know what are these uh, like what experiences you have in that kind of thing, and one of them was talking about. Um, um, like an ex-student who had gone into an interview and um, she was female and the interviewer literally said to her it's it's impossible to find good women coders like to her face Jesus. and it's kind of like if that's the culture you're bringing on an interview mm. like it must just be such a kind of look behind the curtain thing because mm-hmm. um, I know especially the way when we do hiring partner presentations and there is only like white men just kind of sat there in front of me telling me like you should come and work for us and they're not giving me a reason <laughs> i think that was one of the biggest reasons i like i came to north coders it just it was very clearly the kind of culture that a lot of people wanted to be in and i think that's missing from 99 percent of tech companies right now mm. yeah i agree i think that it's very it's often a question that gets asked in hiring partner presentations like how are you going to address this and Actually, sometimes you get really good answers, but it's very difficult to address it in an organization that just seems so stolid. <laughs> I think it's um, it's a really interesting um, point there because I think when we have these conversations around um, diversity and representation, you always get people saying, well, we just want to make sure we've got the best people for the job. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that is such a... Um, it's it's not meant in a, in a bad way, but I think it's it shows sort of a lack of self awareness in that if everyone in the room who's hiring that person looks the same mm-hmm. and is the same age and has the same you know life experiences, what who are they thinking is the best person for the job? It's probably not going to be the same as you know you know you've got to be in that room to to change that mm-hmm. that makeup and what you decide is the best person for the job um i i I said that quite ineloquently (laughs) but i completely agree with you and i think i think that like it's a natural human thing to hire people that remind you of people that you were good at the job and if all the people that that were good at the job (laughs) in your company so far (laughs) white middle class men then that's probably who you're going to hire you've got a, a huge bias towards that type of person and you might look for reasons in an interview to justify that bias. Mm. And it's such a subconscious thing that you do have to be kind of vigilant with yourself about it, I think. But it's but you can intellectualize it in an interview. But an interview is a deeply personal thing. Like the way that you work, you interact with another person it's extremely subjective <laughs> and there's no there's no way of justifying it with a scorecard or anything like that like you it you need to 
I think at some point you're going to have to make decisions that don't feel natural to you, that mm. feel disruptive to you yeah. if you truly want to reorganize the structure of your organization and make it look different and behave differently. I think it shows like a lot like a lack of foresight in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Because if you're trying to say like um we're only going to hire the people that are best for the job. There's people that who are best for the job are likely people who have had the um, best chances in life, who've kind of had a chance to get to this point. That mm. doesn't necessarily mean in five years, if you gave them the same position, they would be at different levels. Um, and it's kind of a thing of like, if your company is only hiring people for what they are now, and not for what they could be when you train them. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a lack on your part more than anything. Like you clearly don't have a system set up to uh, <sighs> propel people into a good position. Um, and so kind of like just choosing this homogenous workforce, mm-hmm. you kind of like shooting yourself in the leg a bit, saying like, we only want person who've had these experiences, mm-hmm. who've had these level of chances, um, who probably have very similar kind of styles of problem solving. And to kind of like go out of that, to disrupt that, you could add like a whole new tool to your belt. I just yeah. think that's where like this, they're just not even thinking about this kind of thing. And it's so much framed as like, oh, well, you know, women are taking all the jobs now <laughs> because they're women. It's like, it's still not happening, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us today, Sam. It's been uh, really nice to hear your thoughts and some really well-articulated points. Thank, thank you both very much. It's my pleasure, absolutely.